Hey guys, it's Brant back with another The Panel Has Spoken video. This time we're back for Kiss Animalize. And it was real awesome to hear the response from all you guys uh, that you really missed the, the panel last week. And uh, I was talking to Rick just a little bit ago. Uh, we were talking about how the fact that when we first started the panel, we were only doing it every other week, and then we stepped it up to doing it weekly because me and Rick just have this time on Sundays when we can do it. And uh, But I appreciate the little bit of vacation time that you guys let me get last weekend. I didn't even turn my computer on. And, uh, and you know, this week, of course, I've been overrun at work with this whole virus stuff that's going on. But we're all going to get through it, and we're going to try to keep things as normal as possible and we're going to have fun today and we're going to remove ourselves from that for a little bit but stay at home wash your hands don't touch your face stay away from people it's easy for us nerds to do we, we're usually introverts anyway um, so uh, just be careful out there everybody and I appreciate each and every one of you who've put kind words through checking and making sure I was okay I've had some people like are you okay are you sick or whatever? And did the coronavirus get you? And I did, we did have a little scare in my family where we thought that me and my wife had contacted it, um, but we actually didn't. Uh, it was the person that we thought we might have got it from tested negative. So we're good in the in my head household. Uh, so, <laughs> so today uh, we have uh, my trusty partner in crime, Rick, from It's All For You Demon. And back today we have the Matthew Smith um, from Matthew Smith Comics. And uh, so MD Smith Comics. So if you've not checked out these two guys on social media, check out Rick on YouTube and Instagram. His Instagram is just as entertaining as his YouTube and his Twitter. And check out Matthew on, uh, I think you're, are you most active on Instagram are you just yeah probably so okay. uh, Instagram probably most and I put a little stuff on Twitter but not much but and, and Facebook but you know mostly Instagram yeah okay so, yeah. so you guys be sure to check them out uh, they put up some very entertaining stuff and Matthew does some great comics and Rick we were just talking about it uh, Rick has a pen pal system so if you want to communicate old school with somebody via the snail mail during this time if we're you know if we're going back old school and having to stay home why not spend some time and write <laughs> letters to each other? So um, I need to do that too. I need to. I need to get. Uh, there's a postcard I've been meaning to send Rick for a while now, and I just got to get it. Got to get it sent to him. Okay. Um, so talking about Animalize, um, we had 74 on the panel for Animalize. Still a strong showing. Uh, less down from others. I, I can always tell when we're less because I'm having to delete empty lines out of my Excel spreadsheet. Uh, so we're down a little bit from uh, from uh, the previous ones. But we had 74 on the panel for Animalize. Going to go ahead and run down through those names really quick. You guys, you can get you a drink of water or whatever while we go through this. Um, of course, you have me, uh, Rick from in, uh, It's All For You Demon, and Matthew Smith. If I can get my pages to separate here. Uh, from Facebook. Frederick Scalen, Dylan Tucker, Matt Yucci, Mark Hilliard, Ray Kelly, Scotty Sky, Vincio Enrique. From Instagram, Jake Jackson, the Clarences, and Tony P. 
from Twitter, Sam Loomis, Tom Dust, Vincent Marone Author, Darren Helliwell, Where's Drago, Dave Cranston, Paul Teplius, Katie Christina, Kimchi Chris. Be sure to check out Kimchi Chris's uh, uh, YouTube. He just started a series of reviewing albums, and one of the first ones he did, the first one he did, was Kiss's self-titled debut. I watched it last night. It was really good. Deuce, Tony Rod, Sean McKelland, Aladio, Bill Sharp, R.C. Campbell, Jeff Wyatt, Kiss Man, Luis Fernando, David King, Steve, Add Your Name, I was, thought that was interesting, Richie Rich, Dave Kenny, Julian Davies. From YouTube, Marty White, Future Squash 767, Jeremy Camono, Demetrius K., Emily Graziano, Sandy Graziano, Rick R., Logan Sievert, Luis Maladino, Greek Freak, Gregory Pegg, Super Kiss 1200, Aiden Pro Dalton, John Be Good, John Zacker, That Toy Bonnie Guy, Pence Fan 77, John O, Tom S, AJ Zetro 1975, Kiss Hard Rock Metalhead, Les Wadley, Joel Pegg, Sublime 130, Jesse Ray, Robbie Stars, Jay Lee, Perpetual Art, X Josh, Jay Reed, Anthem Incorporated, Trevor Bullock, John Howard, Paul Bertolino, Kissin' Time, and Dark Light. So, that is our panel for today. Alright, so the first thing I want to talk about is um, my, my, what was going on with me whenever I first got Animalize, and then we'll go around to, to Rick and to Matthew. I remember when Animalize came out, I was a full-fledged KISS fan at this point in time. I was really looking forward to Animalize coming off of Lick It Up, because I really liked Creatures, I really liked Lick It Up. And I was really looking forward to Animalize. And, um, of course, you know, we knew that Kiss was going to have a new guitarist. We all, Vinny had already left the band. And so we knew we were going to get a new guitarist out of this and that he was supposedly a shredder like, like Vinny was. That's where the music scene was going. Everybody was coming out shredding. Eddie Van Halen had influenced a lot of people. And so everybody was trying to shred and, and throw as many notes in as small of a package as they could. And uh, Mark St. John was no different. Uh, but I remember when I got this album, I shared the same sentiment as some other people that I read in their panel comments as uh, they love this album. I remember wearing this album out. I first got it on cassette, and I remember wearing this album out. And now this album, to me, it's not as good as I remember it to be. Uh, I saw this album, I saw this tour two times. I uh, saw a concert for this tour and loved both times. Of course, I love the Animalized Live and Uncensored concert. I think it's an amazing concert. Uh, it's a good mixture of songs. The set list was good, strong set list. And, uh, but I remember really liking this album. I remember liking the cover. I like that the stage, their stage looked like this when they did those above shots, that the stage looked like that. It just wasn't a plain stage. And I thought that this this picture on the back was actually pretty cool. Um, you know, and I think that, I think I've read before that that's actually like a Photoshop thing, that they actually were not in that of a dangerous situation, that they kind of Photoshopped that. And then the packaging was just, you know, kind of plain Jane, black and white. Way to go, Mercury! You did a, you did a, uh, you know, the least required of you job to uh, to put an album out. 
So um, I wasn't very happy with Mercury when Mercury took over Kiss's catalog and started putting stuff out. It just, the albums became boring. But I did eventually own this on uh, vinyl, and I recently acquired it again. I got it for $8. So, um, but yeah, I, Kiss was, uh, they were really starting to get, they, whenever I first became a Kiss fan, an early part of being a Kiss fan, I was in a fishbowl, and Kiss was my primary source of music. By this time, Kiss was really starting to get nudged out by other bands like Rat, Motley Crue. I mean, just all these bands, Twisted Sister, all the bands that I was listening to, Wasp, other bands during this time, was really starting to, it was becoming a very competitive marketplace. And so my cassette player or my record player wasn't con consistently and constantly spinning Kiss like it happened uh, in years prior. But I still remember this. I still remember this album when it came out. I loved it and it got a lot of airplay from me. I, I'm just not as big a fan of the album as I used to be. And uh, it's got some really good songs I like on it. But there's it's got some songs that I don't really care for. And so we'll talk about that as we go on. So Rick, what about you? How old were um, you when you discovered this? I mean, for me, it was when it came out, but yeah. I want to know that too for you, each of you guys. So, too. so actually, listening to the record would have been nine, 1990, um, 15, uh, getting it on CD. But 1984, uh, my friend had this cassette, and I remember, like. I loved Motley Crue at the time, but I had to keep it secret because my mom was, you know, pretty religious. And for some reason, I could like Quiet Riot and Twisted Sister. And I think that had to do with the videos. Like, they, they weren't evil, but Motley Crue was evil. And I remember seeing this cassette tape at my friend's house. We, uh, of course, being Southern Baptist, you went to church like every Wednesday and Sunday. And after a Wednesday service went over to my friend's house, and he had this cassette. And I remember loving the Yellow logo. And a band I could get into, and then I turned it over, and I saw Heavens on Fire, and I was like, nope. <laughs> not going to attempt that one at home. So, uh, yeah, I never really heard the record, of course, till I got Smashes on CD. I heard Heavens on Fire. And then when I started getting into Kiss Collecting, bought the CD, and I, I like it. It's uh, to me, it is. Although Creatures is heavy and Lick It Up is heavy, this is Kiss's heavy metal record of the '80s. All right, you kind of broke up there for a second whenever you was talking about the packaging. But did you say that you liked the packaging of the cassette and everything? And oh you liked yeah, the way it folded out. Now, oh, now yeah. I had that, so it looks familiar to me. Will you take it out and open it up? I want to see what if I remember yeah. what it, I remember. How I liked how they cropped down the package, how they cropped yeah. down the cover. I've never seen the cassette. I don't think. So yeah. the cover is is long ways, mm -hmm. and then it opens up. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then it has the lyrics on the inside. It has yeah. lyrics, right? But yeah, I I really I remember. I think eight nineteen eighty four. I was in the fourth grade. I think that's what drew me was the fact. Most cassettes just had that like album cover up here and then the band's name down here. Right. Mm -hmm. And I liked that. Mm -hmm. I think that drew me in. And those those leopard prints, and I remember staring at that yellow Kiss logo 
and just thinking, oh, this is so neat. I got yeah. a new band to love. And then I was like, oh, burn, bitch, burn. Nope. <laughs> nope. Heaven's on fire. Nope. <laughs> yeah. So what about you, Matthew? Well, I, um, you know, I've, I've told you guys before. First of all, I want to say thanks for having me back. I'm, I'm very glad to be part of this again. It's always a lot of fun. So thank you. You're um, but as for the, this album, like, you know, I've told you guys before, I, I was a Kiss fan very young. And so this is um, Lick It Up was the first album I ever bought with my own money and uh, I, my own money or I got, you know, got it in the store with my parents or whatever, my mom. But this one was the first one I actually did buy with my own money. I, I'm pretty sure it was I used money for my fifth birthday to buy this. <laughs> um, I was super excited about it because I love Lick It Up. And, um, you know, just like you guys said, the cover was awesome. You know, I, I distinctly remember, too, like staring at the, the cover, the back cover so much. And at one time I was I was listening to the record, staring at this cover and soaking everything in. And I, I was eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich while I was doing this. And I dropped jelly on the cover. So my cover had a jelly, sticky jelly stain on the cover for the longest time. <laughs> but um a lot of what you guys said, I definitely agree with that. Um, you know, Brent, you were talking about a lot of other bands were kind of, you know, taking your attention and stuff. Same with me, like Molly Crew, Rat. I was real big into them when I was younger. I had uh, teenagers, uh, siblings, you know, at this time. So I was getting a lot of music from them. So I was listening to stuff like that. I was watching, you know, D. Snyder's Heavy Metal Countdown on MTV and everything, you know, and loving it. Um, but I still love Kiss, and I feel like in this album you can hear some of that. Like they're trying to compete with some of these other bands. Some of their sound has changed. It kind of like, you know, we have to kind of sound like what Rat's doing right now, what Twisted Sister's doing right now. And I, you know, I'll get into some of that too. I don't want to go into too much about what <laughs> I think about it because that'll reveal too much. But, but I, I totally get what you're saying there. I mean, I feel like this. My opinion, this album is. It's a transition album, I feel like. I, you get some of that heaviness that you had on Creatures and Lick It Up, but you also get touched of where they were going with, like, um, you know, Asylum and then the rest of the albums throughout the 80s. Exactly. You, it, it's a little yep. half and half. You stole, you took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. I have, yeah. I have, a, I have a feeling a few of these songs, we are all going to say exactly the same thing. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say, when you got done talking, I was going to say, this is definitely... They were definitely trying to sound like other bands, Quiet Riot, oh, little, yeah. little Rat in there, throwing yeah. in some Motley Crue, trying to be dangerous, talking about Heaven's on Fire, and even though they wasn't flashing the the blood or the dangerousness of the makeup and stuff anymore, but the Burn Bitch Burn, uh, yeah. having having their song, a song that has cussing in it, um, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, uh, and and having songs on here that sound like Creatures and sound like Asylum. Yeah. Uh, one on here in particular for me that we'll talk about. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely, it's it's that uh, album. You could definitely see where they were going. And look at the video for like Heaven's on Fire, like the the outfits they were wearing. They, it was a lot of leather, but also a lot of the, the animal print stuff like they had in the album cover. You saw a lot of that on on videos back in the day there was a lot of of course leather and animal prints like mm -hmm. on these bands you know back in the day and i feel like they were just you know they they were aging rockers at this point in comparison to some of these younger bands and they were trying to like pull some of those people yeah. back in mm -hmm. it had to be scary for them at this oh, time yeah. 
to try to fit in that young scene and like just be like uh let's just go for it yeah we're the we're the old men you know even though even though there's some people like you know twisted sister some of those guys was just as old because they'd been around since the 70s just like kiss Mm -hmm. but they but they did not get popular until the 80s so they were new Mm-hmm. And to me, D. Snyder didn't seem as old as Paul Stanley. Right. And in fact, yeah. they're probably the same age. If D. Snyder's not maybe a little older or whatever, I don't. Yeah. I don't know mm-hmm. their exact ages, but they just seemed newer. Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, they seemed newer. And you look even Quiet Riot. You know, they start. They're back in these bands started in the seventies, just like Kiss did. They just didn't get popular and mainstream to people like us until the eighties. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And they themselves reinvented themselves in a lot of way, in a lot of ways. Um, okay, well, cool. So um, let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and get at it, shall we? Um, I, I do want to say a couple things about this album, and a couple of people have mentioned this that this is almost like a Paul Stanley album because everybody knows that during this time, Paul was basically Paul basically made this album pretty much by himself. Um, Gene was given very little support. He was coming in and doing a very sloppy job of just basically doing his things. Paul talked very explicitly in his book about Animal Eyes and what he had to do. Um, And then basically what he did from this point on, and Paul basically became the front man over this album and the next few albums, Paul actually became the front man of Kiss. Um, He even mentions in, in some videos that would come from albums to come where he didn't even bother using the guitar in the video. He was uh, just there as the front man. Um, but Paul actually played bass guitar on some songs, and then they had some other... Bruce Kulick played on this. Uh, John Beauvoir, Boulevard, uh, played bass guitar on some of the songs. Alan Schwarzenberg, of course, would, did some more drum overdubs. And uh, Mitch Weissman did um, guitar overdubs. And I've heard Alan Schwarzenberg, what he basically did was he did a lot of the feel overdubs. Like, um, I don't know if Eric Carr sometimes just couldn't... I've met drummers before, and I don't like to speak ill of the dead because I don't know for a fact. But I know people who were, being a drummer myself, who were good drummers. They were good at holding a beat. They were good at keeping a rhythm. But they couldn't do feels for crap. And I'm not saying that that's not what the case was with Eric, because Eric was a phenomenal drummer. But uh, who knows what Gene and Paul was looking for, and it could have been something that Eric just wasn't doing. So they brought in a hired hand and said, hey, play us a fill here. See what you feel and see what... see." What, and then if they liked it, you know Gene and Paul had put it down on... Because Gene and Paul, at this point in time, it was just about having a finished product. It wasn't about who played what. They had gotten... They had... That boat had sailed a long time ago, as far as they were concerned. It was just about getting best, getting the best finished product that they could get, regardless of who was playing on it. But we didn't know. I mean, as far as I was concerned, it was those four guys on the back of the album. The stuff didn't come out till later. So, um, Do you, a question on that, real quick. Do yeah. you think you know how Eric played fast live? Mm-hmm. Do you think he played fast in the studio? And maybe that led to like overdubs and stuff. See, I'm always I've always wondered because I've always wondered if Eric played fast live and that was just Eric doing that, or if that was Paul and Gene 
speeding him up mm. to to be like everybody else. Oh, okay. Because even in, in the eighties, they they notoriously played everything fast, and a lot yeah. of things they played it so fast it lost its groove. Like mm-hmm. one of those songs, if you play it too fast, it loses its groove. Is Detroit Rock City. And I don't yeah. hardly like to listen to any recordings of Detroit Rock City from the 80s because they're so stupid fast. And it's just like... It's just so fast. And mm-hmm. uh, and I know Eric can do drum fills because if you watch them, if you watch the animalized, uncensored version of, of Detroit Rock City, he's doing fills where other people never did. So hmm. I know that he could do fills. I don't know what the overdubs exactly were for. I think Eric had pretty good timing, and I think he was a good enough musician that he could have played a speed, whatever, that he that he wanted to play. He could play it the tempo that they wanted it. But I think Gene and Paul's what sped him up. In hmm. the, in the, um, he wasn't like Peter, and that, you know, they claimed that Peter couldn't keep a tempo. Um, you know, we all know that he could slow down and stop at will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh you know who knows but that is a good question i wish i knew the answer because it'd be nice but i my gut tells me that eric could play at whatever speed he wanted to but if he was sped up during the 80s it was because gene and paul wanted paul wanted it that way yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right nine nine tracks nine tracks 74 on the panel starting with number nine working our way up so uh what do you guys predict? We'll, we'll do Rick and then Matthew and then myself. What do you guys predict the panel chose for number nine? Uh, number nine, I said While the City Sleeps. Uh, number nine, I said uh, Murder in High Heels. Murder in High Heels. See, we're going to be all over the place. Number nine, <laughs> I, number nine I said Lonely as the Hunter. <laughs> Notice they're all Gene songs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a reason for that. <laughs> so it's funny, so... And I think those last three, honestly, opinion-wise, prediction-wise, could almost be interchangeable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, at 173 points, the only song on the on the list to score in the hundreds, everything else was above 200 and above. So this was definitively the worst, the lowest picked song. Uh, 173 points at number nine. The panel chose murder and high heels. That's what they chose. Um, one viewer, the Clarences, picked uh, murder and high heels as their favorite. And I picked murder and high heels as my least favorite. Um, I, I don't like the chorus. I cannot stand the chorus. He says... She's murder and high heels. And then it's just instrumental the rest of the way out. It's like, yeah, how freaking lazy is that? You know, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the verses are okay. But this one to me is just like, it's just, he's not even trying. It was the epitome of a song that was phoned in to me, in my opinion. Um, so murder and high heels is least favorite for me. What about you guys? What about Rick? Um, I chose it at number six. Um, I like the riff. Gene has some great riffs on this record. And then he starts singing, and it just kind of goes downhill. <laughs> it it has some good Gene, like, snot to it. Kind of, you know, like, he, you know, Gene just has that snot in his songs. But uh, 
it has a good gene attitude. But like you said, the chorus, that whispering of the chorus sounds so demo-ish to me. It mm. almost sounds like something you would do like you didn't know. You had this song and you didn't know what to do for the chorus. So you're like, you know, murder in high heels. And then just kind of say it and <laughs> don't say anything else. So to me, it, it, they, they should have either done a better chorus or cut this song. But again, I like the riff. So riff-wise, it's number six. Right. Well, I, I agree with a lot of what you guys said. This was number eight for me. Um, I'm just not a big fan of this song in particular. And, and like I said, I mean, it's going to be very obvious probably on this list that, you know, Gene was just, you know, slap, slapping something down, throwing it at him. You know, here, just use this, you know. Uh, to me, this song, honestly, it, uh, it, it sounds like Gene was writing this for, like, strip clubs to use or something. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it sounds like that's the kind of vibe he was going for. Um, and not saying it's terrible, because I could see maybe certain 80s bands doing this song, but this just wasn't a Kiss song for me. Mm-hmm. It just, it was kind of weak. I'll, I'd skip it. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I agree. Like I said, man, if if it had a different chorus or a chorus mm-hmm. that he had done more work on, it would have scored yeah. higher because I love the I love the whole verse like like where it changes like the pre chorus she's a vision in leather like salt on a wound mm-hmm. and that it's got some cool guitar work and some cool uh, you know some cool a cool riff to it but the chorus man the chorus just kills me yeah all right so that brings us to number eight what do you guys predict the panel's going to choose for number eight. I said burn, bitch, burn. Okay. Uh, I said uh, while the city sleeps. All right. For me, I thought the panel was going to choose at number eight. I thought they were going to choose murder in high heels. At number eight, what they chose at 250 points, so going into 200s, 250 points at number eight, the panel chose burn, bitch, burn. Woo-hoo-hoo. Uh, <laughs> Two viewers, Ray Kelly and one other person, picked this as their favorite track. And uh, this song, man, it has more people that hates it than loves it. But the people that love it love the crap out of it. And apparently in this panel, not too many people did love it. But I am one of the people that love this freaking song. (laughs) I have Did liked, you choose it number one? I, this is my number one song on this album. <laughs> wow. This is my number one song. I have loved Burn, Bitch, Burn since I was 14 years old. Uh, matter of fact, whenever I got this, I remember, I knew what Heavens on Fire sounded like. But I remember when I, I had it on cassette, I remember starting it and fast forwarding to trying to hear Burn, bitch, burn, because I wanted to hear because it had the word bitch in it. Uh-huh. <laughs> First kiss song you'd ever seen something like that, and I fast forwarded to it, and that riff, that that just nasty riff at the beginning of this song, and some people they hate it because of I want to put my log in your fireplace and Gene being the whole screw me, suck me, Gene and everything. Um, but this song to me is just fun. When I hear this song, if it when this came on my car stereo every single time 
the last two weeks I was prepping for this. It got turned up, and when it was kind of nice, the windows went down, and I was riding down the damn road going, bye, bitch, bye, woo-woo. Uh, I was a 14-year-old kid again. It's just, this song just brings me so much joy. Um, <laughs> I mean, so, for, it's out of the frying pan into the fire, so bend over, baby, and let me be the driver. I mean, gosh, the visuals. And, you know, and coming off of, you know, all the stuff that happened with the Creatures album and, the, <laughs> you know, it's just a great, 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 um, great song. And I love it. I could gush over it the rest of this video, but I'm not gonna, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit here and listen to the two of you tell me how much you hate it with, with, with my head down. But I'm, I'm still gonna, gonna love it. You're not gonna change me, damn it. I'm still gonna love. It. I'm still gonna love it. <laughs> I will say, I it's my number eight. I don't hate it. I I love once again. I love the riff. Great, great riff. Um, lyrically, it's a little. It's a little windows down if you're in the country, but if you're in the city <laughs> and you're parked next to a car, it's windows up time. Because, I mean, lyrically, it's just Gene Cheese, which cheese is good. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, to me, this is the demon dying. The, the demon is no more. We won't hear the demon Gene until revenge. Uh, this is sex Gene. And, I mean, that's a good thing. It's fun. Uh, but... Yeah, I, the lyrics are what puts it down for me. I do like it. It's got fire. He's got fire to his vocals. The riff is good. I don't hate it. So mm-hmm. I, but I, I enjoy how much you love it. That's that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is. Well, you know, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm somewhere right there in the middle. I put it at number five. Um, this is this is the best Gene song on the album. Mm-hmm. I feel like. Um, it's you know I I the course I feel like is a little weak compared to the the verses you know uh-huh. and and everything else but I I feel like this is Gene kind of recaptured a little bit of the sound he had on the previous a- albums with this one compared to his other songs on, on this one um, so I, I don't hate it yeah there there definitely is some of the the cheesiness to it which you know and and you're right this is where we don't have demon Gene here we have you know sex crazy Gene at this point but. It's still a good song, you know, and uh, like I said, best Gene track on this album. Mm-hmm. He put the most effort into this song, I feel like, and this is fits like Absolutely. a this is fits like a gloves bookend. Oh yeah, That's fits exactly. like a glove. Yeah. Burn, bitch, burn. Yeah. They're bookends to each other. They are essentially the same song, just the same feel. Um, and usually, the people who hate fits like a glove, they don't like burn, bitch, burn either, because they're uh-huh. essentially almost the same. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I bet they were written at the same time because isn't Gene the one that would write like twenty five songs, and and, just, and then and then just patch pick them, them out from there? Yeah, yeah. This yeah. very well could have been a leftover, you know, mm-hmm. from that didn't make it on, you know, lick it up. Yeah, it is. I was thinking, listening to this album yesterday, thinking it's interesting that they used the word bitch in a song because Quiet Riot was huge at this point. And didn't they have Love is a Bitch, a bitch. on Metal Health? Yeah, right. so I I heard that and I was like, man, you know Gene and, uh, well, you know Paul, he's so calculating, like, mm-hmm. ooh, we have to have a cuss word in a song. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. Yep, yeah. in the title. Quiet Right, open that door, we're going to stick our foot in it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, um, and this is one of those songs that this being a transitional album, this is one of those songs that just as could have easily been on Lick It Up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it has that Lick It Up sound, that Lick It Up feel to it. It uh, that almost even sounds like a Vinny riff. Uh, it was like Gene was trying to pull a Vinny riff, and if I'm not mistaken, let's see who wrote "Burn, Bitch, Burn." Yeah, it's it, it's it is strictly a Gene Simmons uh, writing. So it was what he did on his own, and um, and it looks like he played he played bass on it too. So um, so yeah, so this was this is a I almost feel like this is the one he put the most effort into. This was yeah, his totally. probably. I've got I've got this handful of songs. I like this one the best. This is the one I'm going to try to drive home. And and I think that's the visual he was trying to go for at this point in time. Now that the makeup was off and he didn't have the identity of the demon anymore, he was going to be the he was going to be the masculinity sex crazed man of the group, the the macho man almost kind of. He was going to be overly sexual charged paul and him could write songs about sex but they wrote it in different ways coming from different mm-hmm. sides gene came from more of the lewd nasty uh side at least at this point um he came from more of the lewd nasty side paul had a finesse to it paul still got nasty in some of his songs but he had a finesse to it um so yeah so Burn, bitch, burn. So you already know what my favorite song is. Um, so <laughs> number seven. That brings us to number seven. What Gene song do we think is going to be? The panel's going to pick for number seven. <laughs> uh, what, what's, uh, our, think, what's our predictions for number seven? My prediction was Under the Gun. Okay. Um, I said uh, Lonely is the Hunter. Lonely is the Hunter. All right. Uh, my number seven prediction was While the City Sleeps. Uh, all three of my bottoms were uh, bottom picks were uh, were Gene. Uh, so, at two hundred and sixty-one points for number seven, the panel chose "Lonely Is the Hunter." So you're right. Two viewers, Vincino Enrique, Trevor Bullock, picked this as their favorite. I picked "Lonely Is the Hunter" for me. I picked it eighth. It's it's just. It's to me is so flaccid. It's just so flaccid. Um, it's I can't really say much more about it. I hate the, <laughs> I hate the chorus too. Lonely is the hunter. You're my one and only. It's like this has demo. It sounds like a demo. Mm-hmm. Um, the only good part about this song. Is there where it goes? Where it does that? That's the only good part about it, and it's instrumental. But just even the riff, the it's okay. It's not. It's not one of Gene's better riffs. But it's just this song's just it's just flaccid to me. So so I choose it as number eight, next to near to the bottom. So what what about you, Rick? I chose it at number five, and I said that we were going to an awful lot alike in this panel. Um, I agree with every exact thing you said. This is a middle-of-the-road song. Uh, the riff, the opening riff, is very demo-ish. It almost sounds like uh, a demo that belongs on the box set. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, I do. I love that time change. 
that you just mentioned. Um, I I almost wish that time change they would have used reuse that in revenge somewhere because that's such a cool like time change but yeah this is gene phoning it in big time and it just does nothing for me so it's complete middle for me number five yeah it's funny because it this is my number nine but it's funny you say that because the first thing i have written about is phoning it in for gene i mean it's just it's just there there's nothing special about this song it's very forgettable it's a little too slow for me. I mean, I, I don't mind slow songs and all, and I like a lot of Kiss slow songs, but I feel like this one didn't have any reason being that slow. It just was kind of like a snooze fest for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's just definitely my number nine. You know, I, I'm not a huge fan of it. One thing that I did notice when I was listening to this song is if you're a, if you're a musician and you are into counting and stuff like that, Go back and listen to this to this um, song and count. It's like it's got some weird timing on the primary riff. It's like he does like a a seven eighths measure, and then like throws in a four four measure, and then goes back to like a seven eighths measure. Just um, I, and I was kind of I was actually found myself going down the road, or when I stopped at a red light, and sitting there going trying to count out to where it comes back in on the beginning of what would be a measure, the beginning of what would be. And the riff itself is almost like seven counts. And then it's like mm-hmm. he does a little, like a little, and then it's like he throws in a little four, like a four beat. Uh, it's, it's, re- it's really weird. Um, it doesn't have a bad solo. It's got some, it's got some parts to it that shine, but it's got too many parts to it. That's dull. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Okay, so that brings us up to number six. So what are you what's your guys' predictions? I said it was going to be Lonely as the Hunter. Um I said under the gun for number six. I said under the gun for number six. So it's funny how we're all kind of if we if if we were uh uh hitting golf balls or whatever we'd be all landing in the same you know if we were on a driving range we'd be landing in the same around in the same area to each other uh so at 262 points one point above number seven 262 points the panel chose at number six while the city sleeps so uh one viewer dave cranston picked it as their favorite i picked and while the city sleeps as my seventh favorite other than uh other than burn bitch burn this is my second favorite gene song on the album uh, i like i like the i don't like the primary riff that um I don't really like that. I like that they kind of break it up whenever he actually starts singing the verse. I like how they break it up. But I love the pre-chorus that da na na, take your pages, take what you can get. Da na na. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love while the city sleeps and yeah, you get a couple of those out of there, and it reminds me of old Gene. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this one kind of this is my this one kind of warms my heart a little bit. It's my Favorite Gene song on the album, other than Burn, Bitch, Burn. Uh, the other two, just let Paul do two more songs, you know. Or <laughs> yeah. uh, The other two could have just not been there for me. 
Um, but yeah, so why the city sleeps for me is still towards the bottom. It's my um, seventh. I'm just not a big fan of any Gene sings songs outside of a uh, Burn Bitch Burn. <clears throat> yeah, um, I chose it at number four. Um, I like it. To me, it's got a, uh, and not just because it's got the word city in it, it's got a naked city vibe to it. Um, like you said, I love the course. It does have that great Gene reach where he does, you know, that, hey! that and I love that. And the guitar parts are shreddery, shredding, but not overly done. There's a, there's a one track on here where the shredding is uh, too overdone. And this one, it's, it's got shredding to it, but it's not overly done. Um, I agree with you. I, this is so weird. I mean, like we should just all sit in a room together <laughs> for this panel because we all have feel the same on every song. I feel like, but yeah, everything you said, I agree with, and it it does have a a weird gene quality to it where it warms your heart, kind of mm-hmm. like you just you're just like, oh, I love that song. I mean, it's not great, but you're just like, oh, such a good song. Number four. Yeah, this was uh, this was my number seven as well um and you know branch about everything you said i agree with this is you know my my next favorite gene song on this album you know i mean i i know that that's not saying much really but you know but yeah i agree with everything you said i mean i really can't have much more they you got a little bit of old gene in there a little bit and it you know it, it holds up you know definitely better than you know murder high heels lonely as the hunter you know but yeah so i, I agree exactly what you're saying I would have liked to heard this. This one we talked about being this album being transition, and we talked about you know some of them sound like "Lick It Up," some of them sound like uh, uh, "Animal," or some of them sound like uh, "Asylum." I think it would have sounded different because it would have been produced different. But "While the City Sleeps" would have been a good Creatures song. I think mm-hmm. it would have. Yeah. I think it would have been more at home on Creatures, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sure. would have had, and it'd been nice to hear it with some bombastic drums, maybe a little bit different arrangement, maybe a little more love. But I think it would have been a great. I think it would have been a great, um, a great fit on Creatures for me personally. Yeah, yeah I can right. see that. All right, so that brings us into the top five. So, what you guys got for the top five prediction wise, or the number five? Number five, I predicted murder in high heels. Um, I predicted uh, burn, bitch, burn for number five. Okay. I predicted burn, bitch, burn for number five, too. I didn't really know where to put it. I knew it was going to be much higher, but I didn't <laughs> think it was going to be hated as much as it is. Shame on y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, so, yeah, so burn, bitch, burn was my fun, number five prediction. Um, this is the first real surprise uh, for me this result and I think it's going to be for you guys and the panel viewers as well for this song to be down this low um, but at num- at 368 so it jumped almost 100 points so the top 5 are definitely definitive um, but at 368 points the panel chose for number five, get all you can take. That mm. kind of surprises me that it's down that low. Um, four viewers, Bill Sharp, Richie Rich, Dave Kenny, and Julian Davies picked this as their favorite. I picked get all you can take as my fifth favorite 
Um, very Zeppelinish. Paul did another Zeppelinish kind of song. I uh, wasn't the. There were some panelists that said that as well. Uh, this is the one that's got the cuss word in it, and I remember a fourteen-year-old kid. What fucking difference does it make? I remember <laughs> loving that. Um, I love the swagger to this. I love playing drums on this. The only thing that this would score higher to me if Paul didn't get so high up in that damn register. I mean, his voice is literally. You could literally peel his vocal cords off of the ceiling um, by the time he gets done with this song. He gets way up there. And sadly, it's a trend that was going to continue over the next few albums. Um, <clears throat> and I'm not a big fan of when Paul gets up there in that upper register. I'm not a big fan of it at all. But I can take it and I can handle it. Um, and so I do and I choose Get All You Can Take as my number five. It's my least favorite Paul Stanley song on the album, if that says anything. Uh, I chose it at number three. Um, to me, this is classic Paul Stanley. This is where he would go with a Asylum. Uh, this is cocky, riff, you know, Zeppelin-ish fun. And uh, I, the, the, the cussing in the, in the song, I, I have to wonder, like... Why? Why did he choose to do that? You know, Kiss has never done that. So there had to be somebody had to have cussed on a record around this time where Paul's like, "We're going to add the f word in to a song." You know, I I wish I was a fly on the wall for business meetings about the creation of this record because I really think they were targeting. You know, take something from this band, take something from this band, take something from this band, and we have. Our metal album of the '80s. Totally. Yeah. I think Wasp had cussed on an album by this mm. point. Okay. Yeah. There you go. So. And Wasp, you you looked at Wasp. Wasp looked like an '80s. Looked like an '80s. It, it's funny to go back and look at pictures of bands during this time, because Rat, Motley Crue, Wasp, they all looked like they all drew heavily from Kiss. Mm -hmm. They all oh, yeah. pulled heavily from Kiss. And uh, and even them, they will say that they did. So, <laughs> I don't know uh, if you've ever met my mom, but I do, didn't listen to Wasp when I was in the fourth grade. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I remember Wasp had that uh, something that song, something animal, F like a beast. Oh, F yeah. like a beast. Yeah, that's yeah, totally like a beast. Been it. Um, I I I promise you, you just hit the nail on the head. I guarantee you, it was probably that. Yeah, and, you're right. So hmm. it was probably that they, and you know, Twisted Sister was out there and they, they were, they were dangerous. And I think Kiss was trying to, they weren't dangerous anymore. And they mm -hmm. were trying to do something that made them fit in with the, with the rest of the, the young kids, like we said earlier. And, and if you listen to it, the, the cuss word, the F-bomb is not definitively, mm -hmm. it's not, it's, it's kind of muffled in a little bit. It's mm -hmm. in a backing Ooh. vocal. It's not in a primary vocal. It's in a backing vocal. Um, it's apparently Paul singing it two or three times, uh, overdubbing it. And uh, but it was there. <laughs> you know? And I, I don't. I don't think the info really came out about that F word until the box set, because I think maybe that's where I first discovered it. Like I never noticed it listening to the song. Right. He mentions it in the box set, and I was like, "Holy crap!" Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of 
they put it in there, but then they bury it back a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Going off on that wasp tangent, I loved wasps when I was a kid. And <laughs> they, they were kind of like, that was the, the scary stuff I was looking for. Kiss wasn't scary anymore. Wasp was the scary metal music. Blackie I, Lawless I had, had the, the half the saw the saw blades and and their first album cover they've got the skeleton in traction and they just all look just i mean blackie with his with the blue streaks in his hair and they just look so dangerous they look oh yeah you know they were they became the taboo band they did yeah my sister did a a fundraiser for school where they were making buttons selling for some club and i remember uh tearing a picture of blackie lawless out of one of the circus magazines or something hip parade or something gave it to her to take to school to make me a blackie lawless button and i used to wear it to school <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> um but yeah so i'm sorry get all you can take it was number four for me um i i like this song a lot and i agree you know you guys hit the nail on the head with everything i was thinking too this is definitely the direction at least paul's going with like asylum and all that in fact i, I mean i can hear the song you know, right with some of those asylum tracks and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing you were saying, Brant, about the vocals. It's like, it's very drastic. I like the song, but it is very drastic. Paul going really hot. And then when he's even saying, like, get all you can take, it sounds like he's intentionally going deeper on it. Like, get all you can take, you know? Mm-hmm. It's very, very weird. But it's still a good song. I like it a lot. Yeah. But yeah, number four for me. Yeah, because it's like... You gotta get all you can take it. Hey, can you hear me? Okay, keep it coming. It's like, dude, you're Bob kill- Dylan there? You're a killing me, man. You're a killing me. You're yeah. gonna have to use that little clip at the end of this video and like mess with the timing and speed. That, that was too good. Yeah, he uh, he he's killing me. He's killing me. Let's just dub it over the instrumental of the song. There we go. There we go. That's one of the things I can do. Uh, okay, I say so. We're at number four. What's predictions? Uh, get all you can take. Um, number four prediction was uh, I've had enough into the fire. Okay. Um, my number four prediction was get all you can take. So we're, it's crazy how all together we are. Um, and at number four, another shocker to me. Number four, um, with 410 points, so we're in the 400s now. The panel chose at number four, 410 points, under the gun. Under the gun. Three viewers, Luis, Fernando, Steve, and... Anthem Incorporated picked this as their favorite. I picked Under the Gun as my number four. Uh, this is another AJ Zetro. Yeah, and, and and AJ Zetro. That's right. I left him off. AJ <laughs> Zetro. Um, thank you there. Thank you for that, Matthew. That's why we bring you back. That's why we bring you back. Um, that was it. I'm done. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> done for today. I did my part. Uh, Another another song that Paul would continue to do. He started this on Lick It Up. He these upbeat, fast paced double bass songs that Eric Carr just freaking shines on. I love playing under the gun on the drums. It is so fun that da 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 da. While you got the double bass going, that is just so fun to do. 
This is another one, though, where Paul gets up there when he starts getting up in that upper register. Take aim and fire! You know? But Eric Carr. Eric Carr coming in on that. Fire! That's Eric Carr, guys. Oh, Eric yeah. Carr kicks ass doing that. He's It's almost like Paul had to get in on it because he was like, fire! And then Paul comes in with that nasally, fire! I'm like, dude, just leave it to Eric. Just leave it to Eric. He's doing good. You know. Yeah, but but I love Under the Gun. The only the only not it's got oh and it's got a maybe a may, this might be the over the top shredding you were talking about. But it's got it shredding in this freaking song. And it oh, was yeah. what everybody was trying to do. Everybody was trying to be this is a song that um you know Everybody was trying, every, every band during this time had a song or tried to have a song, something like this. And, uh, you know, this almost song, you know, sometimes whenever he sings this song, I almost hear screaming for vengeance a little bit. Almost like it's mm. like, let's steal a mm. little bit of screaming for vengeance and put it in this song. Even mm. with that screaming, the way, the way, uh, and it's funny because. And it it's how these songs sounded in this early 80s, still the early 80s. Uh, I was working in my yard yesterday, and I had my, my Bluetooth speaker out there playing, listening to, listening to hair metal um, from iHeartRadio, and a song came on. And it was just a riff at the beginning of it. And I was like, oh, cool, this is Twisted Sister. They're playing some old-school Twisted Sister, because I thought it was going to be You Can't Stop Rock and Roll. And then it started playing, and I was like, oh, no, 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 wait. It got a little further into it. Hadn't started singing yet because I had a, a long intro at the beginning of it. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, no, 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 wait. I told, you know, my wife was there. I said, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. This is Judas Priest. This is Judas Priest uh, screaming for vengeance. And then I heard that iconic, and I'm sitting here going, oh, wait a minute, crap. No, 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 this is Iron Maiden. This is Iron Maiden. <laughs> two minutes to min, or, you know, two minutes to midnight. And, uh, and my wife's like, well, which one is it? I'm like, well, it could have been all three because <laughs> they all sounded the same during this time. Uh, so, but yeah. Um, but getting back to Under the Gun, uh, I love this song, except Paul gets on me a little bit. Um, but it's my number four um, as far as the album goes. I, I picked it at number seven. Um I love your Judas Priest reference. I never that never dawned on me, and you're totally right. There is a little. This is pulling from the Iron Maiden Priest pool. Um, that's that's awesome. Now I'm going to look at it differently. That's why I love these panels. Um, I'm all about guitar, but there is just too much in this song, and it ruins it for me. Um, I do love the fires though at the end, and I didn't know that was Eric Carr doing mm -hmm. the uh, other fire. So. That's even more awesome. Now I like the fires even more. But yeah, just yeah. this. Um, remember in Extreme Close Up when Gene talks about wanting to kill the bee, the guitar? This, it's this song <laughs> that I I always think of whenever Gene says that. Yeah, okay. I didn't know if it was I didn't know if it was Mark St. John or if it was Vinnie Vincent. I figured it could have been either one of them. Because they, they, they got what they wanted, though. <clears throat> they can say that now, but they got what they wanted with both Vinny and Mark. You can't hire a shredder 
and then expect them not to shred. <laughs> mm-hmm, totally. Yeah. Yeah. This was under the gun was number six for me. I, I like the song a lot, but this is definitely just like everything you're saying. This is the guitar riff and everything is very, like I was saying earlier, very, <clears throat> you know, eighties heavy metal countdown with D Snyder on MTV, you know, like the, the top 20 he did, you hear songs that sound like this, you know, do a lot of it. You know, not saying that's a bad thing, but it's like, you know, you used to watch that top 20 back in the day and, you know, three of them were Twisted Sister and two of them were Iron Maiden and, you know, four of them were Def Leppard, you know, <laughs> out of the mm-hmm. top 20 or something. And, but yeah, totally like you're saying, Judas Priest or Iron Maiden kind of, I, I, now that you mentioned that, yes, totally getting that, that sound, that vibe. But yeah, this, it is a good song, but you can tell it's definitely a product of what was going on in that genre at the time mm-hmm. totally yeah all right so that brings us to the top three so what's your prediction for what's the predictions for number three i said the panel would choose thrills in the night okay uh number three i put uh get all you can take all right and i predicted they were going to choose thrills in the night as well uh at number three 466 points at number three. The panel chose Heavens on Fire at number three. Fifteen viewers, Dylan Tucker, Tony P., Sam Loomis, Vincent Marone, author, David King, Jeremy Camona, Emily Graziano, Sandy Graziano, Rick R., Gregory Pegg, Aiden Prodalton, that toy Bonnie guy, Jay Lee, X Josh, and Darklight picked this as their favorite I picked Heavens on Fire as my second favorite um, track. I love this song. It's one of those songs that has not worn on me, like some hits and releases and songs that Kiss wrote or that Paul (laughs) wrote to be hits. Um, And I believe he had a co-writer. Yes, Desmond Child. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of the Child um stanley uh uh writing partnership sometimes uh sometimes i think it can be like oh my god i know from the opening bar that you are writing your this is intended to be a hit i can tell from the production that this is intended to be a hit and Mm -hmm. i don't really i'm not a big fan of songs that are written to be hits in general sometimes i'm sometimes more of a deep track kind of guy or i like songs that other people would consider filler but um i do like heaven's on fire i love the video it's it's cheese at its best i was watching it just the other day uh and uh i think it's great i I don't like the fact it don't really have a solo it's just got that little thing that's done there um paul jumping through the hoop of fire at the end (laughs) i remember my grandmother used talking about your uh your mom uh, Rick, um, you were raised a Southern Baptist. Uh, I was raised Church of God, which is even worse. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm surprised my I'm surprised my grandma even let me buy the very first Kiss album whenever we saw it. Uh, but she wasn't involved in purchases after that. It was mostly my mom involved in those purchases. But I remember my grandma not liking Heaven's on Fire. She's she should be that I could just see her now. She was an older lady. She's probably seventy at the time, and her being heaven is not on fire. The other place <laughs> is a place of fire and weeping and gnashing of teeth and 
And as you know, as okay, Ma, okay, Grandma, it's just a song. Okay, it's just a song. It's not just a song. And so I was just like, okay, all right. I just want to listen to it around you. Okay. Um, but yeah, Heaven's on Fire. This was another one of the things that they were, you know, the P, the whole, the whole uh, thing with the, the, what is it? The PR. PMRC. The PRC was getting ready to PMRC, get. Yeah. yeah, PMR. This is getting ready to get spun up because of all. And it was songs like this and images like this and things like that. Uh, but the song and the video aside, I, I think they're great. I like It's very simple. It's a simple song. It's one of the easiest songs to play no matter what instrument you want to play. You could probably play the, learn to play this song in an afternoon on an instrument that you've never held in your life. Uh, on any of the instruments you've ever held in your life. It's that simple. So, um, but it's, you know, sometimes it's kiss. It's keep it simple, stupid. And when they do, they usually write a hit and they did with Heaven's on Fire. So I pick it as my second. Now, knowing me and you know my love of cheese, I love a Desmond Child <laughs> track. Anytime <laughs> his name's on a track, I'm like, oh, I'm going to love that. Um, but Heaven's on Fire is number nine for me only because. Putting on this record, you come from I've Had Enough, which is balls out rock. And then you go to Heaven's on Fire and the drum sound is so lame. It's like they, they had this like amazing, like huge, like Ludwig drum sound and I've had enough. And then Heaven's on Fire sounds like a drum machine. And I've never liked that. And so it's my number nine. Okay. Um, number three for me. Um, so I was right there with the panel. I, I mean, you know, th this probably goes back to me being a kid. I love this song. I love the video. You know, it was just a lot of fun. Um, it, it's it's just catchy, you know. And there, I you know, and I think they realize how catchy it is because I mean, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is one of the first few non-makeup era songs they started doing in concerts. You know, when they had the makeup back on. You know, it's mm -hmm. in that you know group there. But uh, you know, I, I never thought. The reason I, one of the reasons I like the video so much too is I never thought Eric got enough credit, screen time, whatever. I love the part in the video when he comes up behind him and he's singing the baby, don't stop, you know, mm -hmm. and he runs back, you know. I just love that part. So it's, yeah. I've always been a fan of that little thing. Um, so it's just a catchy song and I like it a lot. So number three for me. I wonder how that part in the video set with Paul at first. I mean, yeah. y'all. They obviously kept it in the video because it was good, but you, ugh, I just, like Brant, you said, like this was Paul being frontman Paul. I don't know if the drummer running up, you know, sharing screen time. Yeah, it was probably just a goof. And then they uh, were like, they were like, oh, we got to keep that, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm sure Paul was probably like, hey, this is my time. <laughs> Back off, little Caesar. Yeah. <laughs> Paul was probably putting on his best smiling face. You know, I saw, I, you know, in the part in the video where uh, there's a lot of people comes up behind Paul, like with a part where he says, I'm coming closer, baby, hear me breathe. And Gene's behind him over his shoulder. And Paul turns and looks at him and is going <laughs> like that at him and everything. But you notice they're behind Paul. They're not mm -hmm. in front of him. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it's just... I think they were trying to um, 
I think they were just trying to also capture in video that, hey, we're, we're, we're an 80s band now, and, oh, hey, we're happy. We're not just up here serious. We're here yeah. having fun, too. We want you to be able to rock, but we want you to be able to have fun. Because even that, that really Band wouldn't... Band hijinks. Yeah. yeah, that really wouldn't come about really heavy and hardcore till you got to the likes of bands like Warrant and Poison. But mm-hmm. even when I see Warrant True. and Poison, who are both huge KISS fans uh, and have a lot of KISS influence, you see the coordinated things that they do on stage, Poison or Warrant twirling around and all dropping to their knees at the same time. I see the three front men in KISS. I see Ace, Gene, and Paul. I see the same thing. It's like... They're, and it's homage to me. It's like they're borrowing from somebody just like Kiss borrowed from people. People borrowed from Kiss. I think they were just trying to they were just trying to portray and I don't think it was planned. It could have been a goof type thing, but then it could like like Matthew said, it could have been a goof type thing and then they decided to keep it. Because mm-hmm. it is one of the coolest parts about that video where Eric jumps up like that. And mm-hmm. and I think that's real cool. All right, so top two. If you're playing along, you know what's left in the pot. So, um, so what do you guys predict? The panel is going to choose for number two. Uh, I've had enough. Uh, I predict that heaven's on fire for number two. Okay, I've predicted I've had enough. Uh, I predict I've had enough for the number two. Um, it's funny because the three of us have pretty much been all over each other's lists. Um, at 475 at number two the panel picked thrills in the night Um, 12 viewers Mark Hilliard Scotty Sky Tom Dust Deuce Aladio Jeff Wyatt Add Your Name Super Kiss 1200 Jesse Ray and two others picked this as their favorite I picked this as number six for me I know this is a, apparently a big song for a lot of people. To me, this is almost like, okay, um, this is the hit. This is the song that um, John, John Beauvoir wrote this with Stanley, with Paul Stanley. But it's almost like this could have just almost been Desmond Child too. It has a Desmond Child feel to it. This song to me, when I hear this song, sometimes I forget that this song is on Animalize. I always think that this song is on Asylum because it sounds just like an Asylum song. And it sounds like the type of song that Paul would continue to write over and over and over from Animalize, from Animalize to Asylum to Crazy Nights to Hot in the Shade. He has one of these thrills in the night type songs some cases two or three of them on each album and this was Paul's song to I'm going to step forward I'm going to become a sex symbol I'm going to become the one the the person in the band that the women want that they can idealize with that they wish I was their boyfriend and I'm the romantic one and I'm the loving one and Oh, I can sympathize with you as a woman. I'm not just trying to screw you and have sex with you like this guy over here, burn, bitch, burn, and, you know, whatever's doing. I want you to know me and be, you know, you can trust me. 
you know, I know what you're going through, you know. And so he wrote a lot of those types of tears are falling, thrills in the night. Could be the same song. Um, so he was trying to write these types of songs where he was trying to let the women know that he could identify with them because what he's trying to do now is a lot of the women that was fans of him in the 70s have started aging out. So you got these new teenage girls that's coming up hitting puberty and you got to try to get them in. You got to try to get them in. You got to try to make, you know, a 13, 14 year old girl fall for the old man who's twice, you know. So, um, and, and thrills in the night. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I mean, cause I picked this number six. I like it, but it's just, it, I don't like the type of song that Paul would, this song, this song that Paul would continue to use this formula. It's almost like once he did this and this song was a hit or it was, it was well received. It's like he took that recipe card and stuck it in the front of the Rolodex right along beside songs like under the gun, that style. And so, and heaven's on fire, that style. It's like those became the front three cards in his recipe book that he would continue to emulate over and over and over for the next four albums. And that's just how I feel. But what about you guys? Um, I chose it at number one, absolute favorite track from this record. Uh, you were cheating off my, my notes, I think, because <laughs> I said, this is, this is his a million to one. This is his who wants to be lonely. This is his king of hearts from hot and shade. This is, he just has that seductive this groove. This is his Tears Are Falling. Yeah, yeah, Tears Are Falling. Perfect example. This is his, like, seductive groove that he will do throughout the rest of the 80s. Um, I love the chorus. And this song could have appeared on any non-makeup record. Like you mm -hmm. said, you sometimes think it's from Asylum. Um, or it sounds like it could have been on Asylum. This is very much Paul Stanley textbook. And this, I think this was our first example of where he really would go throughout the 80s. Uh -huh. Yeah, I mean, you guys have said everything I was thinking pretty much. This is my number one as well. Um, I, I think you're right, though. This, and, and I can see what you're saying. Like this, this was like the recipe that, you know, for doing asylum. Let's have some tracks like this. This is the direction we're going. And when I think of 80s era non-makeup Kiss, this is probably one of the first tracks that pops in my head. Mm -hmm. This just exemplifies that era, that look, that sound, everything about the band at that time. That just, you know, they, that just resonates with me there. That's, that's where they were. That's what the band was at that time. And I, it, I like the song. But, you know, I agree with both of what you're saying. I, I like it for all the reasons Rick was saying and Brett, I totally would see what you're saying about, yeah, this is, this was the mold for all the, the cookies that came after pretty much, you know, <laughs> up until, you know, revenge almost. Um, but yeah, but yeah, number one for me, I, I love this song. So. Yeah. Why was this, uh, why was this video pulled? I've never really heard a real good story of why. I don't know either. I don't know either. I'll have to research that.
Um, yeah, it's like this was these last two albums uh, with Lick It Up and Animalize were very formulative to Gene and Paul, and it was like okay, they were they were going to use songs like Gene would have songs like Burn Burn Bitch Burn. Um, the next the next album the next album's Burns Bit Burn Bits Burn anyway slice it. Um, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, it and and the next the next album the next album's uh Thrills in the Night Who Wants to Be Lonely Tears Are Falling. Uh you know, uh the next the next album's Under the Gun uh King of the Mountain. Uh you know what I'm saying? It's 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 what they were finally figuring out going, okay, these these types of songs do well. Let's just keep doing these types of songs. Mm-hmm. And right. and it was I, so. And I yeah, I think that's why a lot of people don't like non makeup eighties Kiss. The seventies was so unique and different every album. And then exactly what you just said is probably the reason it gets a lot of flack. Yeah, yeah. But they weren't the only people using that formula. I mean, even eighties oh, no. bands, even eighties bands. What worked on their first album, they pretty much ran with that, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And uh, we're going to be—we uh, actually talked about you. Actually, I don't know if you guys—I know Rick, you missed the live feed last night, but we were talking. I don't know if you're Matthew, if you were there, but the panel has requ- panel members has requested, and I think it's a damn good idea. Panel quest, uh, members have requested that when we get done with Kiss albums, as far as panel stuff, that we do panels for. 80s albums and so we're going to do it so we're going to do panel videos for some of these albums from some of these bands that we're talking about bands like rap motley crew quiet riot guns and roses you know warrant poison all the bands that we grew up and i'm even going to make a suggestion where people can i'm going to eventually do a post where people can post in what albums they want us to do and we'll make a list we'll make a list of you know 10 or 15 albums or so uh, yeah, and we'll go through that, and that'll kind of morph two things I've been trying to do. I kind of get my '80s retrospective and panel member pa- panel videos out of the way at the same time, because I can still do my retrospect about them at the same time. Because it's basically what I do with these anyway, with these panels. So, all right, yeah. Casey, Casey was just asking me, "What are you guys gonna do when when the all the Kiss records are done?" I said, "I'm not sure." She actually just asked me this before we started recording. I said, I don't know. She said, Well, you got to figure out something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we I think we got the idea presented to us last night. So, uh, yeah, so I like it. So that's a good idea. So, um, if you've been playing along, you know what number one is. But what was our predictions for number one? Uh, I used to, I thought it would be Heaven's on Fire, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. I predicted Thrills in the Night for number one. Yeah, and see, I, and I predicted uh, Heaven's on Fire for number one. But now get this, definitively, number one, uh, with 593 points. Now you remember, number two was only 475. Definitively at number one at 593 points is I've Had Enough. 31 viewers, Frederick Scalin, Mark Ucci, Jake Jackson, Darren Helliwell, Where's Drago, Paul Teplius, Katie Christina, Tony Rod, Sean McKellen, R.C. Campbell, Kiss Man, Marty White, Future Squash, 767, Demetrius K., Logan Shevert, uh, Luis Maladino, John B. Good, 
John Zacker, PinsFan77, John O, Tom Hess, Tom S, Kiss Hard Rock, Metalhead, Les Wadley, Joel Pegg, Sublime130, Robbie Stars, Perpetual Art, Jay Reed, John Howard, Paul Bertolino, and Kissin' Time all picked I've Had Enough as their number one song. That kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, although I predicted it at number two, uh, that kind of surprised me. Um, I picked this as number three for me. Uh, to me, I've Had Enough is the lone wolf on this album. There is not another song like I've Had Enough on mm -hmm. this album. Yeah. And some people actually posted, I've Had Enough. The rest of them are nines. <laughs> I mean, you know. And, uh, so, uh, I've Had Enough. I really like this song. Um, I think it, it, you would, I'd say to, I almost thought to say it sets the stage for this album, but it doesn't. It doesn't because it sets a stage that it would have been nice that this album went in, but it it doesn't really. I think Paul wanted it to set the stage, and I think Paul probably felt like it was the strongest song on the album. Or if you know, it almost seems like they front loaded this album a whole lot because a lot of the really good songs are on the first side, and a lot of the songs that's on the second side, not so much. Um, they front-loaded this album really heavily. But um, I think I've had enough. It's a great song. It's fun to play, too. Um, it's, fun, it's fun to play drums. Um, and like I said, I picked it number three. It would have been cool if it had a video. Kind of surprising that it never had a video. Mm, yeah. I picked it at number two. It's a great, great opener to a record. I think this is the kind of stuff that Eric Carr was dreaming of playing, especially, you know, coming from like the elder period. Uh, I'm sure he loved creatures, maybe a little disappointed in look it up. And then hearing this track, he was probably thrilled to death. Um, and this is kiss claiming their spot in eighties metal to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. This is, definitely reminiscent of the 80s metal at the time and this was number two for me i i love this song it's great i feel like either elements of this song were left over from lick it up or this was you know them trying to recapture something that Vinny brought you know to the band because it, it definitely has a a Vinny era sound to it to me um I, I i love the song it's great and i wish they were more like it on the album despite the fact that i do like this album a lot you know, they could have done a few more like this and left off some of like, uh, you know, Murder in High Heels or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, number two, great song. Um, my friend that I grew up with, um, Scotty Sky, he, we were talking about this and uh, I was started doing scoring and I looked through, he always sends me his in a text. And I looked and I didn't have one from him. And I was like, hey, man, you going to do Animalize panel? You going to give me your picks? And he goes, oh, yeah, man, I'll get them to you tomorrow. And I said, okay. And, uh, and then he wrote me back. He wrote me back like five minutes later. He wrote me back. How many times will they lie with the truth in their eyes? And I'm like, is that your number one pick? And he said, no. I was like, oh, uh, but that's a great, that's a great, mm -hmm. that's one of those Paul Stanley lines. Um, I just remember being a kid, it kind of, every time I hear this song, because my grandma and my mom, they grew up watching their stories. 
And uh, <laughs> and then I remember my mom whenever she my mom whenever VCRs came out, my mom would record her stories. And then I used to sit and watch her fast forward through two thirds of them because there was only a certain. I'm like, why are you fast forwarding through it? Oh, I don't care about that story. I just want to know what's <laughs> going to happen to so and so. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, so she'd fast. Oh, I don't like her. I'm just fast forward. She gets on my nerves. So, um, <laughs> and but I remember being a kid, and this song started out. It's all rocking and everything, and it starts off. How many times will they lie with the truth in their eyes and treat you like dirt? And then he says, wasting the days of our lives. And every time I hear that lyric, <laughs> even today, at fifty, almost fifty-one years old. <laughs> I hear like sands through the hourglass. <laughs> These are the days of our lives. And it's like, Paul, why could you not have come through, come up with another line, man? Because it's just like, okay, you're being a rocker and then you become a 50 year old grandma just then, you know, talking about the days of your lives. So, uh, but he yeah. wrote that song on a Tuesday afternoon at 1230 when he was on TV. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's That's right. That's right. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. Well, I tell you what. That is a very that was a very interesting um that was a very interesting results. Mm-hmm. So, this is fun. It feels good to be back. And the next one is Asylum, and Asylum has a kind of a soft spot for me that I'll talk about whenever we get to it. Um so, if you're watching this video, uh go and get in on the uh post go get in those comments and put your list in for asylum and we're going back to doing it by the week and we will get those videos get that video out next monday so um do you guys have anything else any closing things you want to talk about uh no just i mean thank you for doing these again and thank you for letting me be a part of them um i talked to my friend danny Sweet Dan, 1970, and he said that he believes Lonely is the Hunter is 5-4 and a beat gets dropped. Could be. Talking about the timing. Yeah. Because he's a drummer as well as yeah. you are. So Could be. Uh, I, t- I, I texted him and he said 5-4, a beat gets dropped. Okay. <laughs> so I, I don't know what, what that means drumming-wise, but... <laughs> Matthew, you got anything? Uh, no, this is a lot of fun. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. I always love chatting with you guys about all this stuff and everything else in our in our lives and so but yeah definitely appreciate it thank you again awesome well it's good having you back we'll definitely have you back in the future especially for some of these 80s uh albums that we get to those are going to be a lot of fun i'm kind of kind of excited about that i'm not trying to rush through the kiss albums but i'm kind of excited about those 80s albums as well oh, yeah. um and uh that's all I've got. Uh, Animalize, it's, uh, it's, it's good to me now. It's not as good as it used to be, but it's still good. I still like it, and I still listen to it. It's one of those I still do listen to, and I skip around on it, in it a lot, backwards and forwards, trying to get to other songs rather than others, and some might not get played, uh, but I still listen to it. Um, and so if you enjoy this video, if you haven't hit subscribe, hit subscribe, hit the bell notification, give us a thumbs up so... YouTube sticks it in their algorithm and more people get to see it rather than you keeping it all to yourself. And uh, be sure to check out Rick's channel and give him a subscription and notification and like some of his videos as well. And be sure to check out 
Matthew's Instagram page and give him a follow over there and be sure to tell him that uh, you saw him on In My Head or whatever. And uh, and I had some people ask me also um, my shirts that I wear, like the one I had in the live video last night with Eric Carr on it, the one I had in the uh, Bad Bad Loving recent video that came out that has the demon boot on it. Um, I'm not sponsored or endorsed by them, but you can get those from clickteshop.com. That's K-L-I-C-K-T-E-E-S-H-O-P.com. Uh, you can get them from there. Uh, Ed and the people over there at uh, Click T Shop are great. Just be sure to tell them in my head sent you. And I, it probably won't get you anything, but at least it's nice to see that uh, he can see where his traffic comes from. All right, so that's all I've got. Guys, thank you so much for taking time out of your Sunday afternoon to thank join you. me. Thank and uh, I'm Brant from In My Head Channel. You know the deal. That's all I've got for today. I'll see you next time. Thanks for watching.